0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to this part of the service. I uh, trust that this morning appears like technology is working. So hopefully uh, we can share what God has laid on our hearts this morning. I'd like to continue or and to finish with the series that I guess I've started with about what it looks like to love God with all of our hearts, with, uh, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and with all our strength. Um, So I'd, I'd like to uh, I'd like to just I guess go back to that scripture in Mark that I had started with on in, in my first message and just read that account, just do a little bit of a re- review and then then uh, we'll we'll look at Luke chapter seven um, for for some uh, scripture as well. So. Um, Mark chapter 12, verse starting at verse 28. Then one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, asked him, "Which is the first commandment of all?" Jesus answered him, "The first of all the commandments is, "Hear O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord, with your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared to question him. So if you remember, this is the passage that I started out with um, back in, in February. For, for my first message, and the question I simply was looking at, what does this look like for us to love God? If Jesus says, if Jesus, first of all, Jesus reiterates a commandment from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, and he says that without this, we will not see the kingdom of God. So I believe it's important that, that we consider this um, this question, I had uh, I had intended, actually, at that time, and actually had intended all the way through here, that I would finish up with several messages on um, maybe a message on on how to love God with all your heart, and then one with how to love God with all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, but as I have as I've studied this and, and I've I've studied some other passages where Jesus where, where this is quoted from the Old Testament I I I don't think I will um and, and so we're going to we're gonna look at some examples in, in the New Testament of how how this looks um if you remember, the first message I talked about, what is love? Um, what, is, what is God? Um, I, had, I, I talked about God's love, and I, I believe that if, if in order for us to answer the question to, to ourselves and to others, what, how do we love God, we first need to understand what love is. Where does it come from? Where does it originate? Um and, and so we, we looked at that that God is the very essence of love, and that without experiencing love from God, we cannot, we cannot love in return or love our brother. The second message, uh, the second message I talked about having a, a proper understanding of... of Satan and and the demonic forces in the world and how that relates to our relationship with God and and how that might hinder us in, in loving God with with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and strength. <clears throat> the last message, I, I talked about how that God is our source of life, and and we need to, in order for us to have a proper relationship with God, we need to understand what takes place after we come born again, and and how we that the position that we now have in in Christ, and I I use the the illustration of. Of, of God in the center as the source, and, and we draw our life from that. And so, therefore, we are freed from having to, to draw life from, from others or to create things in our life where we get fulfilled. Um, if, if, we, if we are connected to the vine, and John 15, and we draw our life from the vine, then that that enables us, that frees us from having to, to judge life other people around us in order for to in order to draw life to ourselves. <clears throat> So this morning, I would like to look at a passage in uh, John in, in Luke chapter seven. But I think before we go there and and before we read it, I, I'd like to I'd like to just tell you the story. I, I've um, and I'd like for us to to imagine ourselves being. Being there with Jesus, as as they uh, this is the account where uh, S- uh, Simon the Pharisee has invited Jesus into his home, and they're they're sitting there eating the meal, and a, a a woman comes in with the alabaster box of perfume, and she begins to weep, and 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 she kneels down and, and washes Jesus's feet, and so. We would think that as a Pharisee, as a student of the law, Simon should have been quite, he he should have been very excited tonight. He had the Holy One of Israel in his house, the one that Moses had prophesied that would come. The Lord of glory, the resurrection and life was there with him, Um, speaking with him face to face. But he wasn't amazed, and as he looked at Jesus, all he saw was a dusty, dirty Nazarene whose claims could be interpreted as rather delusional, and Jesus' feet were still dirty. And we need to understand, in that culture, most people were sandals, and so when they traveled and they came into somebody's house, it was just common courtesy that you would offer to wash their feet for them. Their feet, obviously, would have been, would have been dirty from walking on a dusty road. Uh, however, we, we know from later on in that account that Simon had not done that. <clears throat> but Jesus was not offended. He sat down, or, or they reclined, rather, at a table. And the way I understand, they would they would kind of recline on their, if you were right-handed, on your left elbow. And, and the, the table would be here on your left side. And then and your, your feet would kind of hang out or lay out the back. And so they're sitting there eating. And I'm assuming that it was maybe... A little bit of a, a stiff conversation. They probably had exchanged some just some superficial small talk, you know, about the weather and and, and such. And when suddenly all eyes turn toward Jesus and and as Jesus turned around, they, they see there a woman standing there who was clearly not. From, from her dress and manner, clearly not invited to the party. And she was looking intensely at Jesus as she cradled his small jar in her hands. And she began to sob, and she dropped to her, to her knees. And as her tears flowed, she leaned over Jesus' feet and let them drop on his dirty feet. And then she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kissed his feet. And you can imagine the gasps, and murmurs heard around the table. This woman had a reputation. She was simply called a sinner, but everyone knew what was packed into that word. So everyone was mortified by her clearly inappropriate, even intimate contact, except, apparently, Jesus. He did nothing to stop her. He didn't even appear shocked. An alarmed servant hesitantly began to move toward them, but Simon waved him off. This was a revealing moment. Simon had watched the woman pour fragrant oil from her jar on Jesus' feet, and he felt both contempt and pleasure. His appraisal of Jesus was beginning to be vindicated right before his eyes. Nothing sport more of the falseness of this so-called prophet than this stunning lack of discernment regarding this immoral woman. No holy man would have let her pollute him with her touch. He began to rehearse in his mind what he would report back to the rest of the council. Simon, I have something to say to you. Jesus' words snapped Simon's attention back to Jesus out of his his daydream. He cried, say it teacher and Jesus says a certain money lender had, landed, had, had loaned money to two men he had loaned $100,000 to one man and $1,000 to the other man and when they couldn't pay he forgave the debt of both and so Jesus asks Now, which of these men loved him the most? And Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus replied that he is correct. And then turning toward the woman, Jesus said to Simon, Do you see the woman? I have entered your house, but you didn't come and wash my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with oil. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven her. For she has loved much. Then looking back into Simon's eyes, Jesus said, but he who is forgiven little loves little. You can imagine the shock of Simon and the rest of the men with him as they silently contemplated what Jesus had said. And then with a tender authority, Jesus goes further. He says, to the woman he says your sins are forgiven you your faith has saved you go in peace this account is found in Luke chapter 7 and there's a few things that I'd like to to notice before we go further one is that the, uh, the, the Pharisees uh, he, he was in, in his mind he was, he was shocked that Jesus would have let this, this unclean woman to, to touch him we don't know what her sin was it, the scripture just says that she was a sinner Um, but a Pharisee would not have let this, this unclean woman to defile him. That would have meant that they would have needed to go through a, a ritual of, of cleansing in order to be pure again, in order to be holy. Um. And so I'd like to, I'd like to look, the, the, the thing that really caught my attention in, in this scripture is in, uh, <clears throat> is in verse forty forty seven. 47. I'm sorry. Uh, where where Jesus says that that the woman has, has, has loved much, and so I, there's a I think there's a clue here to to our to our question with how do we love God. And so Jesus says here that that Jesus says here that that those who have much forgiven love much and those who had little forgiven love little. And so if if as we consider the question how do we love God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our mind and with all our strength? Um, I, I think we need, to, we need to consider, are we, who, who are we like here? How do we are, are we, are we, are we like Simon? Or are we like the woman? Do we love much or do we love little? Um, a, a, few a few contrasts, contrasts that, that I would, would like to draw from this. <coughs> first, first of all, we're going to look at, at, at loving much at that what, that it what it is, is not, not that we, that we can we learn, learn from this, this, this story, story in, in, uh, 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 in Luke. Luke. Um, uh, the first, first thing, thing that we see is that loving God, God, is, not God is not about holding to the correct theological doctrines. Simon Simon was a man man that that was was living according to the law. He was morally clean. He was uh, doing everything that he should have been doing. And yet, Jesus tells him that he had loved little while the woman had loved much. And I wonder... (laughs) I'd like, I'd like, to, like speak to speak about this, about this a little, little bit more, in, in, in I wonder if, in our Western society, if, if this has not, not become uh, something that, that we that, that we might be guilty, be guilty of. of. Um, um, we we, be, we have we reduced Christianity to simply giving mental assent to, to a, certain a certain set of doctrines. doctrines, and we we as as uh, we consider evangelizing some to someone. Um, we we try to to persuade them to agree with our worldview or to agree to believe the set of doctrines that we believe. Things like, first of all, you need to you need to accept Jesus as your savior. And we 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 want people to agree to that. And then you know, there's things like uh, marriage is between one man and one woman, and 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 we have as as American Christians, we have these these sets of of doctrines that we try to persuade those that are not Christians to to agree with. Obviously, some of these things will be a Part of a, they will be a part of the life of a a person that loves much. <coughs> but in and of themselves, they do not create a person that loves much. Second thing we see is that it's not all about being a religious person, um, and and this again is closely related to the first point. You know, people. Um, we, we try to maybe you know, we want to get someone to come to church with us. Why don't you just come to church with us? And uh, and we we you know, we put faith in, in the fact that that we are going to church and we are we are adhering to, to these um, these sets of doctrines that make up Christianity. Third thing is that it is not about being affiliated with the correct group. Um, if if that would have been the case, Simon would have been right up there. I mean, he would have been. He was was of God's chosen people, the Jews, and of the Jews, he was a Pharisee. He would have been. He would have been. He would have been right there. <coughs> it's not necessarily about keeping oneself morally pure. As a Pharisee, Simon would have been. He would have been making sure. That's why he was shocked that Jesus let this woman touch him because it would, according to Simon's understanding of the law, it would defile Jesus. Now again, most of these things are things that will be a part of a of a person that is loving much. They will be a part of that person's life, but in and of themselves... They do not love much. It's also not about being about having a scripture verse for every situation. Simon would have been schooled in, in the Old Testament. He probably could recite more scripture than all of us put together, maybe. Um, in those days, they you know, they didn't have a Bible or two or he might have had one, but um, most people probably didn't have access. The way they learned and retained was by having it read to them and they would memorize it. Um, so I'm sure that he, he had uh, a extensive knowledge of the Old Testament. <coughs> now let's take a look at a few things that it might be. <coughs> First thing we see as we look at the woman is that she recognized her position in relation to Christ, she recognized that she was a sinner. She recognized who she was, and she recognized who Christ was. Those are two things that that we need to understand if we are trying, if we are going to love much, to love God with all our our with with all our strength and with all our heart. We need to. Uh, we need to recognize who Christ is and who we are in relation to that. And then right along with that, we need to recognize that we need to be we need to be saved from our our pitiful condition. <coughs> it's recognizing that because of what Christ has done for me, I now have different values. The 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 things that I do in life will now I will now have a different set of principles that will guide my decisions and so therefore some of the things I do might look a little foolish to those who do not understand what Christ has done in my life. Um, I might you know I might uh, I might give too much of my money away or or something like that you know according to um, or, or I might spend time helping someone when I could be going to the ball game or, or whatever. <coughs> it's also recognizing that because of the value that Christ has placed on me and all people, I now view all people as having unsurpassable worth. I can now see all people as, as being worthy of, of Christ dying for them. If we, we have this little little cool saying that, you know, if, if Christ, if it would have been just me that needed to be saved, Christ would have still came. Well, how about I turn that the other way and say, if it was just Kyle that needed to be saved, Christ would have still came. You see, now I see that, that people that all people are worthy of Christ dying for them. Therefore, because of that, I now view all people as worthy of receiving my love and and my um, support and value. Therefore, I treat all people as Christ has treated me. Um, and I, I think back to the question how do we how do we how does this play out how do we love God for me um, this simply is is illustrated very well in in the account of the of the Good Samaritan um, that is that passage is found in, in Luke. 10, starting in verse 25. I think I'll, I'll read that. Um, and, and again, I'd just like to, to get a uh, to, to just put ourselves there and, and see what happened. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and testified and, and tested him and saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, he came and looked and passed by on the other side. (coughs) But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came from where he was and when he saw him, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said, go and do likewise. Now there are several things. The first thing we notice is the question that the lawyer asked. He's asking, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him what? Jesus tells him to do the the uh, the commandment that we are talking about to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Um, and, and, and Jesus tells him that he answered rightly to do this and he will live. <coughs> of course, being a lawyer, I think if I wanted a lawyer, I'd have probably hired this guy. He was good at looking for loopholes. Um, he says, well, who's my neighbor? Because, you see, if if we can now define being a, you know, if we can define who is or who is not our neighbor, then probably most times I do not need to obey this law because of this loophole. However, Jesus tells him a little story and as as a lawyer this this man probably was schooled in the Old Testament law and so he would have understood that as they as they went as they traveled from Jerusalem to Jericho and you would this this would be a fairly narrow path my Charlene's brother Jerry actually was in Israel last fall and one of the things they did is they walked this 17 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho and he said it's most of the path is fairly rugged and and rocky and it would be quite obvious if someone would be laying there Um, and and so there's no chance that the priest would have would have not seen him but remember a, a priest would have not wanted to, if he, if this would have been a dead man, the priest would have been defiled according to, to the law. He would have been defiled by touching him. In fact, they needed to stay back four feet from a dead person, which, hence, the wide berth around this, you know. Um, of course, the other thing we see is that the man was, he was stripped of his clothing, and Jesus says he was half dead, so we can assume that he had no clothing or very little if he did, and he was unconscious, so probably appeared dead. So the priest, from his perspective, had fairly good reason to to pass him by, as well as the Levite. Um, same thing with him. He, he had, um, I don't know if he would have been You know, we don't know how far, how closely they were traveling together. He might have been with the priest, but they they passed him. Um, But then as we look at the Samaritan, of course, we need to understand that Jesus is telling this story to the Jews, so they are in their minds, they're thinking that this man was a Jew laying there. And here comes a Samaritan. And we all know the relationship between the Samaritans and Jews. The Jews hated the Samaritans and vice versa. And they had no, no dealings with each other. But this man would have, he would have, they the Samaritans would have also been under, they would have observed the law. So this man would have known the, the what the law says about touching a dead man. However, we know what he did. He was willing. He was willing to take a chance. Maybe this person still needs help. And sure enough, there was still a pulse and the man was still alive. And so he he dresses his wounds and and he he puts him on his own donkey and you know, we don't know where this was in the in the but they would have probably had um you know at least 7 or 8 miles to go if they would have been halfway between the two towns either way would have been so he loads him up on his donkey and he takes him to the inn and there he he gives he he gives of his uh, own money two denarii is what scripture says which I understand would have been about two two days worth of wages um and still all this time he had no idea who this man was this man was he he was you know there was no we don't know whether he was a Jew or whether he was a Gentile or he he didn't have any clothing on he was unconscious he couldn't speak so maybe he was you know maybe he was simply a beggar from Jerusalem that had decided to go to Jericho or whatever or maybe he was a your wealthy neighbor, you know, there was no identification. There was no no motive for the Samaritan um, to to stop and help this man. He was as destitute as in other twelve hours he would probably been dead. But yet he pays. He gives of himself to to pay to have this man stay at the inn. <sighs> So back to our question, as we consider, what does it look like when we love God in return? this, This is the question, basically, that the lawyer had asked to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, well, you know what the law says. And so he quotes the law. The lawyer quotes the law. You shall love the Lord your God. Jesus gives him this story to illustrate how to do this. And so, this morning, as as we consider that question, I would just simply like to, to, to answer that question with this parable. Um, I had, like I mentioned, I had considered to, to do a message on, on loving God with all your heart and with all your soul. And with, but, but as I as I studied this and I, I pondered this, I I began to question if. Was that me? <laughs> um, as I, I began to question if I do that, if I, you know, am I beginning to be like the Pharisee? I am beginning to study the law and I'm beginning to to take this apart and to pick it apart when. When really what is Jesus saying here back in Mark when he says when he reiterates this what is he trying to tell us and he's trying to tell us give give your life give yourself this these the heart and the soul and the mind and the strength that includes that is everything that we are and so there is nothing left for ourselves we give it all back him he fills uh, he connects us I, I uh, expanded my little um, illustration here and I simply like to 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 think about the first circle of yellow people is is what I had first and that is simply as we relate to each other as believers you'll notice that the arrows point back you know and I believe that that is very very important John talks about that uh, Jesus talks about that in John chapter 17 about how that we love each other as a as believers that is how the world will know however I think it goes a step further and that is that there will be love coming since we are connected to the vine there will be love coming from from the vine through me to someone else who is completely incapable of returning that love. The man on the Jericho Road. Absolutely destitute, no chance, no chance whatsoever of paying it back, and yet I give of myself, of my time and my money to help that man. Why? Because I understand what Christ has done for me. I understand that since God has created him, and he has a living soul, he has unsurpassable, he has, you cannot put a value on that man. Therefore, I will do anything in my power to to help that man, to give him what I have received from Christ. So, in closing, that's what I'd like to leave you with. That in giving of ourselves to our brother, whether it's coming back or whether it's not coming back. That is how we love God. That's all I have, and uh, Keith, I have a song that I'm going to play, and after that, would you mind closing